0: to you wherever we're at. You don't ask us to make changes, clean up our lives before we come to you for salvation. You welcome us because of the work of Christ, and that's the only way that we can come to you. Lord, as we've just sung to you, that is a challenge for our own relationships with you, having trusted in Christ, that we would walk with you in obedience and to not be holding on to sin in our lives, to those things which defile us. As we've read earlier in Peter, life's too short in this life to live for sin, to live for your glory. So even as we've sung, as as we're thinking about your word, may your spirit show us areas where we need to grow and change, to confess and forsake sin, and to know that the blood of Christ covers all of our sins and we're accepted and loved in the Beloved. Nothing changes our standing before you. The sure promises of eternal life are ours because of the work of Jesus Christ. As we look into your word now, may your spirit be at work in our hearts and lives. We would understand it more, and we would apply it to us in the ways that we need to. In Jesus' name. We turned to Psalm 30 this morning. Psalm 30. Looking at a number of different psalms in the coming weeks. Psalm 30. My wife is a really good cook, and I—I uh, I probably don't. I must not praise her cooking as much as I think, nor as much as it deserves. But when I do really appreciate a meal, she notices when I say multiple times throughout the meal and after, that was really good, that was really good, that was really good. Praise flows from enjoyment. What we enjoy, we praise. That is what we're going to look at today from Psalm 30 is about praising God. And in this regard, I think it was helpful to think of this connection between what we enjoy, what we appreciate, we value, we end up praising. In a book, of Reflections on the Psalms by C.S. Lewis, he has a chapter on a word about praising. And he talks about how it was difficult for him at first to think about God as he's he's just beginning to really grasp who God is. He's saying, "What, what about God that he would demand our praise, that he would want that from us? And one of the ways that helped break through that understanding that is that connection between enjoyment and praising. And he he writes this, But the most obvious fact about praise, whether of God or anything, strangely escaped me. I thought of in terms of a compliment, approval, or the giving of honor. I had never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise unless, even if, shyness or the fear of boring others is deliberately brought in to check it. The, ring, the world rings with praise. Lovers praise their mistresses. Readers, their favorite poets. Walkers, praising the countryside. Players, praising their favorite games. Praise of weather, wines, dishes, actors, motors, horses, colleges, countries, historical pers- personages, children, children flowers, mountains, rare stamps, rare beetles, and even sometimes politicians and scholars. I had not noticed how the humblest and at the same time most balanced and capricious minds praised most, while the cranks, misfits, and malcontents praised least. The good critics found something to praise in many imperfect works. The bad ones continued narrowed, the list of books we might be allowed to read. He goes on and writes, "I had not noticed either that just as men spontaneous praise spontaneously praise whatever they value, so too, they spontaneously urge us to join them in praising it. Isn't she lovely? Wasn't it glorious? Don't you think that mag- is magnificent? He goes on, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because praise is not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. That is the end goal. Enjoyment leads to praise. And that praise, that process is, will you not praise with me? And that is what we see here in this psalm as David is praising God. He's praising God for God's works upon his life, and he invites others along the way to praise God with him. I think we need to consider this topic of praising God, one, because it is throughout the Psalms. We haven't looked at many of the Psalms yet of praise, but we're going to look at some more of them. It is is throughout. We are challenged and uh, instructed to praise God, Uh, But perhaps as we think about our own lives, perhaps one of the reasons we don't praise God very much is we don't enjoy him very much. We see it's kind of of a drudgery, I must do this, I have to do this, in response to God, but there's not a whole lot of enjoyment of God in his essence as being, and I think flowing from that enjoyment of God's works towards us. A satisfaction, a contentment, I think we'll see in the psalm, even in the hard things in our lives, a contentment that says, okay, God, you have brought this in. I'm going to be satisfied with that, and I'm going to praise you as a result. So I think we need to consider that in our own lives, am I really enjoying God, delighting in him? On the other hand, many of us want to praise God, but we stop short of expressing that praise to him. I can think of growing up, an older man in the church. I could hear him praying, I can still hear it today. He would say something very similar to this We want to praise you, God, for all that you have done for us. If we would tell. So we see some of that, that sorrow, and then the joy that comes about. And whether it's that or maybe numbering the people or some other circumstances here. David is, there, there's a bit of the sorrow in his life that he gets through and it leads to joy and delight in God. As he's urging the people to give praise to God with him for God sparing his life, for healing him, for not letting his enemies exalt themselves over him, Uh He says this truth about God in verse 5, for his anger is but for a moment. David had experienced the anger of God in some way and says, but for a moment, but his favor is for life. His favor endures. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Perhaps you've Walked through a time like that in your life. Maybe it was a night, maybe it was a seasons of nights with sorrow. But then the Lord granted healing and restoration and peace. A joy that follows the sorrow. That's what David's saying that we can experience when we come to God. And I think an important part of that is this. is for us to accept the sorrow as from the hand of God if we're fighting against it, probably it's going to end up in bitterness, and it certainly won't end up in praise to God. The joy won't come if we're fighting against the hand of God and the afflictions, the hard things that are coming into our lives, whether we deserve them or we don't. It's accepting everything is from the hand of God that leads to a joy as we see God's purpose in our lives. In Psalm 119, we read in verse 67, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. What is he doing? He's praising God for afflicting him because he was going down the wrong path. But now he's back on the right path. In verse 71 of Psalm 119, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. And Then verse 75 as well. I know, O Lord, that your judgments are right and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Mourning, sadness, I'm trusting you, I'm accepting it, God. You bring joy and I'm praising you because of that. David here, praising God for his works, delivering him from death and how he saw the nature and character of God towards him there. What a glorious truth. His anger is but for a moment and his favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. As we look at our own lives and think about our own actions, uh, we deserve God's anger. Do we not in our sin? We deserve his wrath the judgment of God, but because of Jesus Christ who died for our sins, we, through faith in Christ, will receive not the judgment of God, not the wrath of God, but the mercy of God. Does that not deserve our praise? Is that not the work of God on behalf of your life, of giving you salvation? And not because of your own works, but because of his rich grace, because of his abundant mercy. And you will experience that not just in this life, not just this next week, but for all eternity. But God, who is rich in mercy, Ephesians 2, beginning verse 4, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works lest anyone should boast. Seeing God's grace towards us in mercy through the cross of Jesus Christ, through that salvation, through faith in him alone, not of our works, not of our own merit, but by faith alone should lead us to praise God for his works towards us. I think the first response for us is that Uh, To recognize this, God's works for you may vary. Maybe you had a life threatening circumstance this past week. Maybe you didn't. But God has done something for you, has He not? Maybe He's not lifted you up in the same way. Maybe He hasn't healed you, but has not God done something for you? At the very least, if you look to God through salvation, He has given you salvation. You need to praise God for that. But Think of things beyond that. Think of what God has done for you. And God wants us to share those with others and ultimately with the Lord, but to share them with others. How many of a testimony time is filled with stilted silence as we wait for someone to give praise to God? Someone going to share? I'm waiting. And perhaps some of our thinking is what we are experienced, what we have to praise the Lord is too personal. And Perhaps there's some merit in what we share and thinking about that, but yet is not the works of God personal as he cares for you? And so it will be personal as you share. And the challenge is that you do share praise to God what he has done for you, that you would not be silent, but you would willingly share what God has done for you, whether it's recent or in the past, those things that you just cling to in your life saying, God has done this for me. And so David praises God for his works, and we too should be willing to share testimony of praise for what God has done for us, for you. Verse uh, The second verse or the second stanza of this psalm is verses 6 through 10 and is somewhat similar in nature there, just kind of flows out of David there. Uh, he, he says there in verse 6, Now in my prosperity I said I shall never be moved. I'm not going to be shaken by my circumstances. And I think there's some sense of self-reliance there. And I think this fits whether it's in the numbering of the people or in David bringing the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. He thinks he's doing what's right. He feels secure. But yet, as the end of this verse says, you hid your face and I was troubled. He recognizes that true strength, true stability is only going to come from God that would make his mountain stand strong. And yet he goes through that season when God hides his face from him and he's troubled. And so God humbles him when he felt secure. Perhaps another way we could say this, he got disciplined him for his actions. And yet he cried out to the Lord and the Lord rescued him. And think of this here. David, David argues in a sense with God. He says, if I die, how will I praise you? Now he's speaking on just a human experience. Certainly we know David trusted in God and would praise God in eternity Uh, Praise God for all eternity. But humanly speaking, he says, if I die now, how will I praise you on this earth? And I think that should be a challenge for us. If we would die, would there be a void of praise on this earth? Would people be able to say, I know, I miss when they would share praises. Or would it not be any different? Would there not be less praise on this earth if you were not here? How much do you praise God in this life? So David says, please spare my life so that I may praise you. And see, we see the purpose and intentionality of our lives is so that we will praise God. And David cries out to the Lord, be merciful to me, be my helper, withhold the judgment that I deserve, help me, O Lord. And again, he brings up the, the sorrow that leads to joy, the dancing, the delighting, the joy in the Lord. And then my, you've taken off my sackcloth because of mourning and given me gladness. And again there, I think there, David recognizing and accepting whatever the Lord brought into his life, even the affliction that led him to that point. He went through it so that he could come to that place of Joy before the Lord. Uh, as you mentioned, my dad's been experiencing some health troubles. He was fighting an infections this past week and ended up in the hospital from Wednesday through yesterday. And uh, he probably hasn't been in the hospital for decades. <laughs> so it's quite different for him, hopefully on the right track, some short-term things and long-term things to think about uh, for him. As I was talking with him yesterday, he said, I learned something. He was bored the first day until he got his Bible and his computer so he could work on a sermon. <laughs> uh, he was reading in First Peter and thinking about the affliction, and certainly First Peter is encouraging believers to trust the Lord in whatever suffering you experience. And in 1 Peter chapter 1, and verse 4, he says, "...to an inheritance uncorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you." So, that inheritance, it's future. It's guaranteed, yes, but it is something that is future. And what do you get, go through to receive that? Suffering. And so, instead of just wanting everything to get out of our lives quick, to bear up, to endure it. And I think that helped him settle into the hospital when he didn't want to be there, but to endure the path of joy, trusting the Lord. It's along the same vein here in David here. You have brought me through sorrow that I've accepted from you and given me joy at the other hand because I've seen what you are doing in my life and I'm trusting you with that. What's the end result? That my glory, I think it's a way of saying my my heart, my soul, all that I am is going to sing praise to you and not be silent. I am not going to be silent about the works of God in my life. I am going to praise him for them. And I am going to give thanks to you forever, not just in a season of my life, not just for a little while, but that's going to be the pattern of my life to praise God for his works for me. As I am delighting in him, I'm thankful for him, Praise is going to flow from my lips to my God. I can remember when Isaac was born, there was a number of different things about his birth that were somewhat unique, the circumstances there. Uh, In uh, 2013, he came a few weeks early, and I was coming back from the hospital to get a few things at home before I picked up Stacy and Isaac to bring them home. And I was about three miles out of town on C-13, coming from Waverly at the Packer Blacktop. And someone I knew pulled up there. And so I stopped and rolled down my window as we were at the intersection there together. And I don't know, I just, just came out of me and we said, we had our baby. <laughs> I just wanted to share. We had our boy. Isaac was born. Flowing up from my heart in the circumstance. That's what praised us. We're satisfied, delighting in God. It flows from our lives. This is what God has done. May you, by God's grace, grow in praising God with that intentionality, that purpose. At verse 10, or for, sorry, verse 12 to the end that my glory, my life, may sing praise to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever.